All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Life podcast. I'm your host, Angela Cangelosi, and today I have on my sweet, sweet friend, Carrie. Now, do you go by Carrie? Yes. Okay. I was going to say Carrie. Carrie is here, and um, I know you well, but I'd like you to introduce yourself for the folks that don't know you who are listening. Wonderful. Um, my name is Carrie. I also go by Carrianna, which is my Madonna stage name for um, <laughs> my amazing coaching and mindfulness career. Um, Ange and I met through coaching, and I'm really excited to be here today. Yeah, thanks for gracing us with your your beautiful presence. And so, yes, we met coaching and now you're doing you're still doing coaching but you're it's infused with a lot so can you also share a bit about like what your style of coaching is and like who you are as a coach absolutely um I think that my background in storytelling and media kind of in came into my original love for coaching I really love asking questions and I loved interviewing um people and learning more about who they are Mm -hmm. the (laughs) there's so many elements now that you just said that that I come into my coaching (laughs) there's like that there's this there's the um sort of photography and like visual aesthetic Mm -hmm. element that I really like and thinking about life as a work of art so if you see any of like my website or my Instagram it is very much like curated from my creative side so I learned recently Mm -hmm. that I'm actually right-brained which apparently most people are left-brained so I think that there's some balance that I bring through coaching and teaching meditation that helps others access the right side of the brain which is imagination um, visualization and tapping more into the future based on what whatever you dream up can become possible in real life. So I like Mm -hmm. to really focus on inspiring people to be inspired by themselves and tell their authentic story. And that's been essentially like me walking that talk, modeling that in my own life has taken a lot of time and, and work and focus to peel back the layers and actually own what my authentic path is. Cause I've hit many of my goals as far as, I went to the college I wanted to go to. I had got the job I wanted in LA and then I got mm-hmm. the job I wanted with the NFL. And I, I kind of hit all these milestones that I thought were it in my life. <laughs> and it turned out that there was, there's still more room to grow. So um, I've been calling what my style of coaching lately, unconditional living, like really mm. training people how to, detach from the external circumstances and and look inward to source things unconditionally if it's joy love resources and abundance like starting within and then yes things will manifest in the 3d world um but i think that that's how we can get our power back i miss hearing you talk about these things (laughs) um Well, there's like, cause there's so many interesting things that you said, first of all. And like, how did you figure out that you're right brain? Oh, did you that's need a to go really through like question. a scan? No. <laughs> I'm like, who did this? I how? self-proclaimed when I was, I'm reading this great book that I recommend everyone read, especially I love Rick. 
interested in coaching the idea of like inner work. Mm-hmm. The, it's called seven habits for highly effective people by Stephen Covey. I might have mm-hmm. the title slightly jambled, <laughs> but I think, got it right. I think it's right. Um, and he goes over and it's either the first step or the second step. There's seven principles. He talks about left-brained and right-brained and there is a bit, I think there's a questionnaire in there um, that has you kind of pick for yourself where you are. And it just came back right-brained. And then I kept reading and I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely confirmed. <laughs> confirmed right Yeah. Sweet. Man, I feel like I will have to do that. Unless you have a yeah. hunch. I'm curious because I think what distinct, like left-brained is a lot more... Um, structure planning rule driven principle driven naturally like Mm -hmm. um, able to problem solve and think about things factually (laughs) and I think right brain is more imagination vision like what's the word that I'm thinking of I always think creative like logic versus creativity when I yeah I think that that's basically a good bottom line of it Oh, ethereal is the word that I'm uh, thinking of. Like people always think that I'm call me ethereal, and I'm like maybe that's another way to describe right brain. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably fits right in. Uh, okay. Um, like, how how have you found people respond to your style of coaching? Because I I know that there's a lot of I don't know d- different people define coaching differently, mm-hmm. and they might hear about you as a coach and think you're one way and I like my assumption is that your way is different than a lot of what people assume coaching Mm. is that's a good question and a good point because when you say it that way I think a lot of people come to me specifically for the calm and the serenity and the the peace Mm -hmm. um which is a big part of it like my way of holding space is very nurturing and I think I've kind of swung really far to the feminine side in, in my life recently. I was actually thinking about how I've gone in cycles, like grew up kind of really tapped into masculine, mm-hmm. hung out with my brother, played tons of sports. And then I, mm-hmm. in college, I kind of went, I went to school in New York City and I feel like I swung more into the feminine side. And then I worked in an NFL and I was like masculine and now I'm my own boss. And I'm like, all right, feminine, but I really want to combine both. <laughs> So where I'm going with this is like when people come to me, I think what they're coming for is that like partnership, connection, compassion. Um, And then once they're in, I I don't want to say they're surprised, but like the boldness and the power that I bring as a coach is, is something that I think it creates more impact than like the Mm handholding, if that makes sense. (laughs) Like I want there to be grace and nurturing and they're paying me to crack open blind spots and create the breakthroughs which I think like if I can make them uncomfortable and angry that's probably Mm -hmm. a good thing but um my style is is a lot about mindfulness I would say and treating yourself with compassion and then I just I get to be the bad guy (laughs) That's funny. Well, as you were describing your style and like you're fluctuating between or from feminine to masculine at different points in your life, 
I'm thinking it's probably so important to have someone like you that can bring both energies in it within like the same experience, because I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that we're in a pretty male dominated world. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think society doesn't expect that from women. There's still like, you know, if you're a bossy, you're a bitch Mm -hmm. kind of thing going on, which I'm imagine we will move away from um, in time, but I think it's cool that you can bring both and surprise people and also model it for a lot of women, because I think that's who you predominantly been working with. Right. Yes. Yeah. I like how you said that. I read something recently about how the, our society is kind of struggling with the loss of the father figure or thinking about the way these our society and our brains kind of work is like the man is masculine is known as a certain way. And Mm -hmm. I almost think it's like a negative connotation with what it means to be masculine from my perspective, but probably not from the male perspective. So anyways, it was something along the lines of like collectively spiritually we're in a bit of a breakdown around our relationship to masculinity as a group um, because of the ways that I would say, like we've learned to relate to money and power and those sort of more male dominated worlds. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought I was like, Oh, that's so inspiring. And that makes me actually want to work with more men because they probably are out of touch with the benefits of a more, feminine side and I didn't didn't expect for this to be like a masculine feminine conversation but I do think it's really relevant um just to think about contextually like what are the stories we have about male feminine how roles and Mm -hmm. redesigning it like we we all can balance these things and that to me is the sweet spot it it almost feels like there's backlash to masculinity right now Mm -hmm. especially like everyone's bringing up toxic, excuse me, toxic masculinity and power and money, I think are, and like greed, lots of negative views of what are, you know, things usually attached to the male energy. But I do think that there is a movement for this intertwining of the two. Like, Mm -hmm. even when I think about the queer community and people that are non-binary who don't subscribe to either male or female. Um, it's like, I can wake up and, you know, be male. I'm like putting it in air quotes because I think it's all made up. Mm -hmm. And then one day I can be more female and like the two can coexist. Like what, what do you feel like is the block for people in intertwining the two? I like that too, because if you do think about if we strip back all the labels and it was just energy, right? Um, I think the block for people is just resisting discomfort. And it always comes back to that because we just fear what makes us uncomfortable because it feels wrong <laughs> to the mm-hmm. nervous system. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it, in just like any imbalance, when there is an imbalance, it doesn't matter what kind of imbalance it is. There's there is a consequence to that, I think. 
Um, but it can get comfortable just doing the same thing over and over again. So, I mean, I even think like when I first, whenever you're rebelling against one thing or the other, like, I feel like I was rebelling against structure and Mm -hmm. masculinity and like power dynamics when I left working for a corporation and working for the NFL specifically. Mm -hmm. And then sort of went on this, like money doesn't matter. I can just be like a hippie yoga person and not (laughs) work like work and live by my own freedom and the no, no to all those things. And Mm -hmm. that's drastic, like, either or swinging to the other way polarity just created <laughs> imbalances in that in another way um so I guess what what I'm really talking about are like they're just the consequences of living in the extreme polarities of like just two opposing forces I think a lot of times when I'm coaching someone they're like well I'm doing this so what's the opposite <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's not do that exactly. Like maybe go look there, but we don't necessarily want to like fix something with the opposite because it's still in the same conversation. So, um, yes, I almost like I totally relate to the they them non-binary just because it's a different conversation. It's like outside of the male female or right wrong. Like how do Mm -hmm. you how do we break those? only to option mindset. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, I feel like it's so ingrained and that's why the they, them conversation is like way outside of people's comfort zones because they just don't know what to do with it. Like mm-hmm. if I'm not he or she, like, who am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me, they're like, Oh, do you do, have you ever done the Enneagram? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes. Okay. So we went from two options to like nine, I think. <laughs> yes. And that's yes. great. But like, what if, if I'm not this four or three, like Mm -hmm. who am I? And I really think each of us is, mm, there's just more to it than picking one option. Right. So like that could be a great framework to look at some things through, but that's why I really like the essence conversation or the purpose learning about your life purpose. Cause it seems like there could be even more detail and even more depth to who we are than just, Hey, I'm a achiever and I over. Yeah. Great. That's very true. But there's also like <laughs> an essence side to it of magic and spirit. Yes. I, what I loved about at least the way that we learned essence in coaching was that it was also outside of, it's like outside of anything tangible. It feels like, mm-hmm. like it's, it's not something that you can do. It's just like a presence that you bring an energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that. And I also, I also just think that that's so outside of where we are in society right now. Like I, I'm like, I'm curious, like if people, how do people usually come to you? Like, are they, are they like doers and label lovers and categorizers How do they show up? Good question. Hmm. I think they're usually, yes. I feel like a lot of people are coming with a label of like, here's, here's who I am. I am an Enneagram. I am my own, like I want to have my own business and I am, and I am not kind of framework, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
Um, like I can't do this, but I can do this. And there's a lot of self-awareness, like even to go beyond what's coming to me right now when you is, I think most people are coming to me with a lot of self-awareness and not a lot of, um, capacity to like see how to make a change. It gets really heady. A lot of people just are saying, here's how I, here's how I am. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. But like, <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you want to do about that? Um, mm-hmm. So that is an interesting part about it. And I think that's where I kind of started too. I was like on my transformational journey, having a lot of self-awareness and spending a bit more time doing some introspective work, but I, and I thought that was all yeah. that I needed to do. So I think it's the one thing to have self-awareness and it takes a real willingness and a lot of courage to step into the expansive coaching power that conversation um I saw something this morning that was like you can't save or fix other people so if you're in like a healing or a a leadership role in that world like inspire them do what you can to influence them but you can't at the end of the day save the population, <laughs> save the people. And I was like, this is a good reminder. Cause sometimes <laughs> I go down the path of like, it's my responsibility to change the way. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not, it is. And it, like, it's not, it is so much yeah. partnership and how much, how badly someone wants their dreams or wants the change or wants the growth. And yeah, you're a coach. I'm almost a counselor. They're, very like intertwined I would say um but I think it's really easy to feel like it's our responsibility and our purpose to Mm -hmm. advocate for groups of people or change the way that society operates or that people view themselves all of this stuff and it's such a massive undertaking Mm -hmm. that is you know, I'm not going to say impossible, but like as one person, probably don't have the time to get there all on your own. And so being in partnership is important. It's kind of, yeah. the, in my mind, the easiest way to, to actually transform a person is being in relationship with them. So let's go back to you. Like you're, you told me that your next breakthrough is in working or coaching men. I'm curious about like what the breakthrough is for, for you. And then also what you see for men. The breakthrough or like the paradigm shift for me is to go against my own discomfort of like being confident and bold in the face of like someone else who's confident and bold. Um, and I've been watching a lot of the show called Billions on Showtime, but I watch it on Amazon, so whatever. <laughs> and the character, Wendy, who is a performance coach for this really amazing, amazing as a context, but if you watch the show, they're actually like horrible people, I guess. I think they're cool, but they have essentially like her role is to do something really similar to what I believe in. And it, she has an office like 
in this building with all men, maybe there's one other woman. And it just reminded me so much of where I was in my career before I started coaching. So I was like, there's something that makes me like, I am interested in in going back into that world with a new Mm -hmm. perspective of like, now I can own who I am. I have boundaries. Like, and I also have this message that I feel like is what drove me away from that arena. Mm -hmm. Like I want to bring something back to it. Um, and I, I was really inspired. At first I was like, Oh, I could never be like her name's Wendy. Um, she does a lot of rah, rah, like pump these guys up and she <laughs> even like stand up and be like, rah, like, let's go. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I could never do that. And then I started watching and I was like, wait, this would be totally a breakthrough for me. Mm-hmm. And she just gets to reflect their worth and their potential over and over again. So clearly that they're, they go back out and they do their job and they do a, a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I like. That's what I want for people. And yes, it'd be cool if it, I was like working for a business or a brand or an empire that I really believe in as well. Um, mm-hmm. And that I want the business to do well. But I think working with a team and working with a team of men to kind of bring in the mindfulness and the, the presence of yeah. my experience of being a woman and the nurturing coinciding with like practicing expanding my my voice in a male dominated world would be really cool. I think that there'd just be so many benefits for both parties. Yeah. Well, what, so what was it like? I like the NFL just screams man to me. Yeah. Um, what was it like when you first started? Um, I mean, I grew up playing sports, so there was a, competitive side to me and I think that competitive nature exists in working for the the NFL there is a lot of like how can you be the best and how can you climb and grow and compete at a high level and I I'm also a Leo I feel like I kind of thrive <laughs> on that energy um when I first started I basically, I, I moved, I started in LA working for the network and I was like, I really want to work for the, the people who are producing these films. Like they live in, it's in New Jersey. Hey, Jersey. Hey, um, Jersey. <laughs> and so I basically was like pinpointed this executive who traveled between both offices, started to build a relationship. And I was like, Hey, I actually really want to go over here. Can you help me? And he helped me get the job where I wanted. And Um, I think both like being in that, that office and I had some great girlfriends, like there were three or four girls in the whole office and they were, we were pretty close. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the weirdest part for me, the most confronting part for me was actually when we would go out and like work with the teams and work with the players. And it was kind of disheartening for me because I'm like telling these people stories and yeah, they're doing a great job at their and their craft but there's just some value system or principle system that was whacked out <laughs> for mm-hmm. me for me and, and, yeah. and just like didn't align with what I believe like I want to practice or preach for my humanity and it's totally great like I don't hold judgment because like they can totally do whatever they want but it it was like it is male and it is I don't want to go so far as say like abuse of power, but it's that same thing we're seeing with politics and everything going on right now. Where it's like 
just crazy what you can do when you have power and why do we have to disrespect other humans when we have power, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I'm like, how have those two things become so intertwined, like power and abuse Mm. or like belittling? Why is it that way? Yeah. I, I, I wonder what it, what it would be like if, I don't know, the, their context or their relationship to power was shifted. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we're looking at the NFL, but there's obviously, you know, in politics, like what would be different if the relationship to power were, were shifted? And I don't, I don't exactly know like what, what it would have to be, create something different. But, and I think that's, that's like, that's the whole point is that we, we don't know what it would do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but I imagine... I like, I get excited. I'm like, it would be awesome to live in a world where like power was also beautiful and not mm-hmm. this like thing that I know I personally scoff at. at this Yeah. Point. Like I'm definitely in that camp. Yeah. And I definitely, I mean, I had a really negative relationship with power and leadership when I first started coaching. Mm-hmm. And I, I just remember it because my coach asked me like, what is like, something about being a leader and I was like hell no like I don't want to be a leader like those people (laughs) xyz like I had a lot of story behind that um and maybe that is like part of the overall shift that we see for in especially in the unconditional living portion of if we go back to that of if if power is innate to a human and we all have equal power like your worth equal to my worth what is it that takes someone and makes them think that they can take power away from other people? Because I don't know, on a fundamental level, that doesn't seem like it's even possible. Like we're the ones giving our power away to people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as long as humans are realizing the opportunity in feeling back some of the giving some of the power away to either people or fancy clothes or Mm -hmm. job titles. Like, yeah, there could be something valuable there. Totally. And it makes me think about like everything that's going on right now, all of the isms in the world, racism, ableism, the, the phobias, the homophobia, Mm -hmm the sexism and it I'm you know I I I have like a hard time grappling with how much of it is okay people are giving their power away like that concept which is obviously it's a it happens how much of the power is with the individual to change Mm -hmm. the way that the world is working right now and 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 how they can show up in the world like for I'm thinking like black people specifically Mm-hmm. Um, black trans women you know intersectionality is obviously a thing but like how much of it is with the individual and how much of it is with I don't know like a system which is not yeah. a person well, <laughs> or a system does. is made up of people I don't know yeah I mean I think similar to thinking about each individual having a highest self or a highest purpose like as a community we have a the most potential to 
change things in an interdependent system. So mm-hmm. like, I think there's layers to that. We start even as babies, like we start really dependent on parents and then we move into independence. And then the goal I see is to move back into interdependence where we're all individuals working together in it. And that's, I mean, for years and years and years, there's so many different frameworks that preach like oneness, connection, relationship, like that's the highest purpose. Right. Um, So maybe there's some, like, I think that there is more to look at what at the beginning stages of dependence, like not just talking about babies and parents anymore, like talking about Mm -hmm. where, like when we're dependent on something, be it a religion or a politics, system like politics or Mm -hmm. money to the point where we can't see our own individuality purpose value worth like there's something to look at there yeah that's that's another one of those like (laughs) brain frying brain busters (laughs) yeah things for me because we are you know I've learned about and I mentioned this before there's the idea of like collectivism Mm -hmm. and you know tied into oneness and um and connection and and I think we you know there's like that either or there of individualism and collectivism and I if if it's on a spectrum I would (laughs) venture to say that here in in the U.S. like we venture more towards individualism but you're mm-hmm. talking about your your version of individualism is individualism is different when you're saying like tapping into that as each individual person sort of i just i think if you break out individualism into two components there's like a codependent individualism and there's a, a independent individualism mm-hmm. um cuz even like when i first left for college let's say went to New York City from the smallest town in New Hampshire and it's like I yes on paper it looks like I went from being in a dependent family to an independent individual like role but I think Mm -hmm. that there's still so much codependence that I worked through and working through as an individual like not just emotional mental like physical all of those things yeah to really see my power I don't know how else to say that <laughs> yeah to really see my innate power as a creator I guess maybe I should define what power I'm talking about because I'm talking about power in the sense of being the master creator being the sole creator of my own reality and not just blaming my parents for whatever not just blaming New York for being cold <laughs> Oh, New York. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it does. It it does. And I, I just, I think I forget, I think being away from coaching for so long, I, for so long, I don't know, whatever time. Um, But I think I forget that way of, of thinking a little bit, which I'm sure it's obviously not a new conversation for me because we went through the same program. What's the way of thinking you're talking about? Um, you know, the, being like the sole creator, like, mm-hmm. cre- you know, creating the life that you want without, mm-hmm. um, 
being unhindered or inhibited by beliefs or other people um, yeah that just aren't serving you yeah I mean I think that we say a lot in coaching that you're anything's possible you're the creative your reality there's no such thing as limits I do think that there are such thing as limits like we <laughs> go back going back to the conversation about just like systemic racism like there's limits there to what's possible right now but it doesn't mean that there's n- not a way to break through the limits um if that makes sense like yeah totally I don't want to I think sometimes you can take these messages and good vibes only and take it in a a way that's not actually empowering or healing and there's just that's something I was thinking about recently with limitlessness like or unbounded freedom and all that like there's freedom inside of something (laughs) Hmm. and if we want more freedom outside of that something we have to create it and I think that's where interdependence or collectivism has to come in many muscles working together yes huh this is deep dang yeah it's it's making me ponder ponder. we always talk like this I know I feel like I'm speaking a different language like I I when I I sometimes I wish I recorded these so that people can see what I'm doing with my hands and things but I like started (laughs) you know at the basement level when we began this conversation and and now I'm like, you know, in the attic up there, like trying to figure (laughs) some shit out in my brain. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like a meta conversation that I, I wish the entire world was in like a, as a collective, like spiritual conversation. Mm -hmm. I remember, I remember listening to, I I don't know how this is going to land with people, but, um, (laughs) what's his name now I'm freaking forgetting Russell Brand Russell Brand yes and he's become like such a like his transformation is so interesting to talk about on its own but he was saying that you know in politics especially like we've we've gotten away from spirit Mm -hmm. and I I think we've also gotten away from spirit just you know I'm, I'm generalizing here obviously but I think on the whole we've kind of lost it a little bit it seems yeah. like we're losing a little bit. It's so important to me. I think I didn't touch on that earlier when you asked about like what I bring to mm-hmm. coaching because sometimes like I almost like argue with myself of if I need to bring that or not. Like, do people actually want that? So I hold back a little bit on the spirit side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my own block. But I think spirit and science for like the logical and the creative have to go hand in hand and it doesn't necessarily mean a certain religious belief or practice, but you're right. Like I think even, I feel like there is even less emphasis on religion. I don't know if that makes us bad or good or better off or worse, but as a society, we've definitely driven ourselves away from something that I think most people who have these huge, like Russell brand transformational experiences Mm -hmm. in life go through programs where it, the fundamental like practice is surrender to spirit. Like, and most of these, most of the people in the coaching world have some sort of spiritual undertone, I would say to the the practice of it. So Mm -hmm. 
it's interesting because I don't always think people are ready for it, but it, it seems like what everybody wants. <laughs> they like yeah. get their hands into it or the nut cracks open and they're like, heck yeah. Bring yeah. It Bring it on. I, I feel like I had that experience. I remember going through our program and we had, I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about this, but we, we spoke about spirituality because it's a, a big part of how we were, you know, trained as coaches. And I was having so much resistance to religion. Like I, at, at that point, like when, when I started, I was like, I, I hate religion. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I grew up Catholic, but by the time I, it was like, I had received communion or gone through communion and I didn't get confirmed and I ended up being gay. So that also, <laughs> I, I feel like I, even more, I was like, this sucks. Like religion sucks. Catholicism sucks. Um, and yeah, then my spirituality nut was cracked mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> it sounds like a, like a sexual reference or something. It does. Or something, um, take that's, it that's cool. I, I like yeah, that. I do so, <laughs> so, and, and now I feel as though like we as humans are, are so fallible. Like we're great, but we're also human. Mm -hmm. And I think that even with religion, like there are so many great things that come with religion, like community and connection and oneness, um, around something. Um, and I think they're probably more similar than we think that they are like different religions. Um, and Yet I think sometimes as people, we like, it, it almost is like the whole power conversation. Like power is, is not good or bad, but I mm-hmm. think that at some point we, we made it, whatever it, it ended up being like power is now bad. Okay. Like I think at some point we created it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think from ego. Yeah. 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 It is like an ego versus spirit conversation, which fundamentally it's probably what we've been talking about this whole time <laughs> yes we've cracked the nut we've cracked the nut yes man all right I can all right yeah. you can sleep tonight now yes yes oh my god like my brain can rest um well I feel like that's that's such an interesting conversation too to look at like you know how our collective ego is showing up but also as individuals I, I, I feel like that's big for, for me. I just, I, I just had a, a birthday and in my 26th year of life coming up, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like, I want to listen less to the mind, which I equate with ego mm-hmm. and, and, and like, feel more like listen to my body, um, you know, that the gut response or the intuition, some people call mm-hmm. it, because I think ego is, is so much easier to, to listen to. It's like, it's like our, it's become like people's buddy. Yeah. You know, it keeps us safe and it has all the answers. And when it really is, you know, not, not, not the best sometimes. Right. Let me back up. What's your relationship to your ego now? I think that the ego and my ego is born from protection. Yes. From needing to protect and feeling like I need to protect. And also the need to know 
mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we have such a strong need to know and my relationship to it is like there is some value in um, having this guidance system of of like I'm in a human body so I need to know like what I don't need to I want to know what's right and wrong like for me as a person what are my my morals or guidance systems like there's some value to letting the brain and intellect work for us but Mm -hmm. maybe the danger is when egos in the driver's seat and spirits out the window like we I mean this is why meditation is such a a huge part of my life um and what I I like have this powerful coaching practice and then at night I'm like leading moon circles and turning into a little witch Um, I love it oh it makes me giddy (laughs) but again that's the balance like Mm -hmm. have a plan have structure have accountability like drive yourself forward based on your value system there could be some healthy ego to that and Mm -hmm. what about spirit because I was even thinking about this morning so in my new apartment in Nashville like we're on the 19th floor there's a Florida ceiling windows and I set my alarm like a couple minutes before sunrise so I go out there when it's still dark and then I watch the sunrise um this is the newer thing that I've been doing this week. It's been awesome. It's been really cool. Cause I was like, even thinking back up, like, wow, I'm super grateful that the sun came up today because what if it didn't? And it was just uh. dark all the time. Like I would be, we would be in such a different, like plants would die. We would die. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, we take these things for granted because we think we know the sun's going to come up the next day. Well, like who told us that and who's, yeah. guar- who's guaranteeing us this. So there's something yeah. really cool that when you tap into that, you're like, oh, there's a lot of possibility for gratitude. There's a lot more room for appreciation and truly miracles. Like that's what we don't know everything. <laughs> oh, I got chills. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know anything really. Yeah. Like, we think we know, but we, we don't know. That makes me, I, I don't think I've ever talked with you or asked you about how you got into like yoga and meditation? Like what was your first experience? Hmm. My first experience with yoga and those kinds of practices were actually in high school. I played basketball and my mom was worried about me not stretching enough. So she went to yoga in New Hampshire and it was super cool. Like in retrospect, I really wish I had the capacity to appreciate this back then because my first relationship to it was like this is annoying and it's too slow and why do I need to do this um but I do remember relating to it as like my mom's outlet or my mom's Mm -hmm. her time for her and long story short like didn't really have much of that going on for years after and when I started really (laughs) crushing it in like the NFL world, like working six days a week, traveling a ton. And all I really wanted to do was go to yoga. So I started going every single day. Um, as the first thing I would do as soon as work was over, sometimes I'd go on my lunch break. Like I just found that I needed it and I couldn't figure out why I was like, why am I so attached to this? Yeah. Like, like were you, I'm just like, okay. So you, you had, your first experience and it was your mom and then you had this chunk of time and 
I'm like, what was it in response to? Was it just like a, yeah, like just like a feeling? Like I need to go back to yoga? Maybe. I don't actually remember what brought me back to it. Because I mean, the gap in between was, I would consider more of a masculine time where I was outputting a lot and trying to keep up with everything Mm -hmm. else outside of me. Um, And it might've just been the exhaustion of like pushing, pushing, pushing so much. And I just wanted to like receive and I'm picturing a studio. I went a couple of times in LA, but I don't think I really like, I don't know what, if I started loving it then it might've been when I lived in LA, I was like, all right, people do this here (laughs) and it's healthy. And like, I do have some memories of going to some studios there, but it wasn't until I really, it just feels like balance. Like it feels like I, my body and my, everything was craving it to balance out the external again, masculine, like that whole dynamic and balancing out with time for myself. Mm-hmm. And it did start as a, it did start as an ego thing where I went to I went to the yoga class where you would sweat uh, specifically Bikram yeah. yoga. I did like a ninety day challenge. I think it went ninety days in a row. It was so flexible. Wow. Um, <laughs> but it was <laughs> like I was doing it because I wanted to again like have physical fitness. It wasn't the spiritual thing, and that, yeah. that's where I think. I mean, with repetition, you can't, I couldn't ignore it. I was like, there's something transformational happening underneath my, just my like skin. And that's the part that I think people and get myself get sort of hooked on because there's power in that and spending time knowing yourself. Yeah. And what about meditation? What brought you to that? Because I feel like there's some, there's like meditative, obviously meditative components to yoga, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there are, there's, there's probably a good metaphor for this, but it's like the nut that cracked with me and yoga started as an ego driven physical thing. And then you peel back a layer and it's like, all right, I no longer go to hot classes. I go to slow classes mm-hmm. and I want to enjoy the moment. It's like, becomes more of a mindfulness thing. And then when I became a teacher, because I'm like, all right, I love this. I think that there's value here. I want to teach this. I am a yoga teacher my favorite classes to teach were yin yoga, which is essentially meditation. Um, and then I went back another layer and just really focused on meditation. And I think that I could, I have a unique flavor to meditation because of the coach training and because of my background in storytelling. Like I really love leading guided visual meditations and literally I make stuff up like, (laughs) tell people the story, imagine themselves in these places. And mm-hmm. it seems to, it seems to just get such a great response. And it's funny. Cause like, I don't know. I actually don't always need that for myself. I need silent meditation because my brain <laughs> goes nuts. Mm-hmm. And when I do um, the guided visual stuff, I'm like, I just think about how I would teach it in my brain. I don't know. So it's, teacher it's funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I found that that was the most beneficial part of it for me. If I peeled it back, all those 18 layers I just went through (laughs) (laughs) is the mindfulness and the meditation piece where we can untangle some of the meaning making of the mind and just practice presence. Yes. 
Because I, well, I think about it, like we talk a lot about mindfulness, even in counseling. I'm also interested to know like how, what your view is of things like anxiety and depression or like OCD eating disorders and like trauma, Mm -hmm. because I know that for some people, like a silent meditation is probably torturous Mm -hmm. for someone who's anxious. Um, I can only imagine like what would come up. Um, So maybe more of like a movement based meditation or something like yoga would be better for certain people, depending on like things that they are going through. What are your, what's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I work with, and I feel like I can relate to a lot of those different labels we put on habits. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. how I think about it. I mean, from a, a coaching perspective, I do think about a lot of these things as they're just habits and we get really comfortable being anxious. We get really comfortable being um, depressed or sad or angry even. And sometimes it helps to have both like lenses to look at. But I I guess when you were saying about meditation, I, I think it's similar as to my journey where there is like a really good access point in movement first, Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we're we're more in touch with our physical bodies as humans. It's easier to connect to for as a new, new person to meditation. But I, you said as an anxious person, like the silent meditation might be a lot and it is, but it also like, once you get to a point, I think in your practice, it becomes the next thing to do to Mm -hmm. break up your anxiety because like I can have ruminating thoughts, like I can have anxious feelings. And I think that being silent and still is the only thing that's going to provide me with an escape from that and learning that there is another way when I say escape I don't mean like running away from I mean Mm -hmm. retreat I guess is probably a better word like Mm -hmm. setting a timer for 10 minutes actually I've been setting for 20 minutes and I usually get to 10 and I look at my phone I'm like how far am I okay (laughs) (laughs) like like I just think that helps me because when I have a lot of excess energy, like I do things that I don't even realize I'm doing, like I'll start picking my nails or like scratching things. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why am I like, I just need to have these moments where I'm not doing that. And I think in a visual meditation, that's great because your mind is active and in a different way, you're not like necessarily thinking about what you have to do on your list. And that's creating stress. You're imagining your future, Mm -hmm. which is, has a positive physiological response, but I, I don't necessarily know if it stops like the habits that we have when we're still. <laughs> yeah. So there's just different layers. I don't know. I think there's an entry point in movement and then you can continue to mess around. Some people like chanting meditations where you're making noise um, as access to presence because mm-hmm. you're, you're repeating it. It's the world sounds vast and full of possibilities for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you don't feel comfortable chanting, like you can pick a, like I've done ones where you pick a word. I think this is similar to transcendental meditation. Please don't feel like you need to Wikipedia all these, but like (laughs) there's a lot of research you can do if you want to. Um, That's, you can just pick a word. Specifically, I like to pick something that I want to, call in or an intention it could just be gratitude and you just repeat it 
think about that word like every breath is you're just saying to yourself like gratitude 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 and it mm-hmm. gives you that same sense of like boring your mind into presence <laughs> right yeah um and you, you get to see just what your capacity is for staying in the moment it's not really like I saw something that said it's when you notice your mind wandering, that's a win because you're, you're seeing the contrast <laughs> instead yeah. of just living from a trance. I was doing something the other week. I noticed myself complaining a lot. And I was like, I'm going to take a week to just notice all of my complaints. Mm-hmm. And it was great. <laughs> a lot that's of them. good. But Do you write them down? No, I don't. I usually just... um redirect mm-hmm. my thoughts because they're I, unless it's unless I'm I'm noticing that I'm having like a strong if it, if it's related to a relationship that I'm in something that I assign more meaning to mm-hmm. then I I'll take more time to notice like what's what's coming up like what the actual complaint is but I don't know otherwise if I don't if I think that it's sort of like a petty complaint like I'm complaining about traffic or something just Just let it go I'm just gonna yeah yeah Yeah. redirect my thoughts somewhere else yeah that's powerful I mean and that takes practice too I think sometimes a good place to start is writing it out um yeah like having even if there's some sort of mindfulness journal I've worked with a couple that I would recommend there's and especially ones that ask you like to write down what you're what do you like what do you think just happened what are the what's the interpretation of all these things mm-hmm. and then re- actually back up and write down what happened from a factual standpoint you can mm-hmm. already break down like okay that's happened my mind is making it mean this here's what happened here's how it made me feel and like noticing your tendencies when you feel a certain way can be interesting I have this I got this journal from I think it's called like therapy journals. Honestly, I saw it on Instagram and I was like, this looks cool. I bet it would be helpful for me and my client. Yeah, definitely give me the recommendations because I'll put them in the show notes for people okay, cool. that also want to, you know, look. Yes. Therapy it was journals. Therapy notebooks. Sorry. Okay. Um, and it, it like has you go through and I just, I try to do it once a day because I can literally always think of one example of something that triggered me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's say it's like, what happened? What's going through your mind? What, what emotions are you feeling? And then what are the thought patterns you recognize? I think that part's insanely beneficial because <laughs> it's like, are you mind reading? Are you fortune telling? Are you catastrophizing? Which I mm-hmm. never, I was like, oh, I never do that. Literally. I've circled that one. Every oh time. my God. Like, wow. <laughs> I think that the worst thing is happening right now. Um, uh. And then like you were talking about reframing, the last step is to reframe it. Like, how could you think about it differently? Well, this person like that, I was making all this stuff up about, like they were just looking at their phone and it meant nothing. Like that's Mm -hmm. how I could think about it differently. To me, that's a really great structure from practicing mindfulness. If you're unsure of how to get started, having something just walk you through the practices. Yeah. Um, Similar to, I think it's cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm, uh, yeah, just, no, you're you're right on. Um, right on. I think a lot of that is synonymous with meditation, but I mean mindfulness. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all all of what you're like the catastrophizing is a huge one. Um, 
but yeah, just like naming what you're actually doing, I think is so powerful. Yes. Easier said than done. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And a daily practice. I know. I think a lot of times I like say stuff or share stuff and I'm like, I hope that the under, the undertone of this is like, not that there's anyone who ever breaks through from this totally. Like, don't think that I'm over here not doing this also. Yes. That's great to point out because a lot of this sounds easier uh, than it really is. Yeah. And it, as if there's like a, a destination, like, mm-hmm. oh, you've, you've practiced for X number of hours and years. At that point, you will never have to do this again. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's a lifelong practice and you can do it. I think in multiple ways, like coaching is obviously one way. Counseling is another way. Yoga, meditation. There's so much more we could talk about too. I just thought about like, I mean, meditation and yoga has a, like comes from the belief of that there's different energy systems in your body's mm. chakras or chakras. Yes. Like there's that whole system too. I think is really interesting. I saw something about like the root chakra in order to kind of bring balance and nurture that one you want to exercise until you sweat. And I was like, that is so interesting because that's a strong resistance to that for me. I love exercise. I hate sweating. I like exercise. And I like think that I, I don't know. I can't push. I like, don't like pushing myself to the point where I sweat. I like the exercises where I just kind of bop around or do yoga. (laughs) Man, I feel like I'm like mad because I like, I breathe and I sweat. Like I'm just always sweating. Well, good. Yours is probably balanced. Then. It's probably not though. I, <laughs> I took, I took a, I don't know. Don't uh, quizzes online. Just, you know, take them all with a grain of salt, but I basically took some root uh, or chakra quiz and it tells you which ones are blocked. Yeah. I have a lot of blockages in my system, <laughs> at least since the last time I took it, but I would be very interested in, in knowing more about like what actually unlocks chakras and I've never heard of that about the root chakra and sweating well it, it makes sense to me I mean I think if if one two and three aren't balanced like I heard that the, and I believe that the rest can't really do their full functioning but yeah it's kind of similar because I've always had much more openness towards like the top couple which are spirit intuition and that's about it <laughs> I would say once it gets down to mm. throat I'm like I, I don't know <laughs> But yeah, the root is interesting. I wonder what part of that is out of balance, but maybe it's like, has a lot to do with insecurity and based on like your home life and like if there's any resentments, which reminds I got a lot there. (laughs) There's a lot there. So we can do our work. We can do our work to unpack that. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. But we also talked about, human design oh my god I gotta tell like everything makes sense after I I don't know if I'm just making it make sense or if it like genuinely is just making sense oh I think mine does too I I I can retroactively make it make so much sense (laughs) (laughs) mine was like basically your life will be a shit show until you're like 28 and I'm like yeah that's right that's so I I'm gonna like I'm gonna give myself grace now basically oh good that's why we do these things to give ourselves access to what we need. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we'll have to have you back on. <laughs> yeah. We could do part two. <laughs> yeah. 
stop. Yeah, I can't wait for the the commentary on it. Yeah, me too. I'm excited. What are you guys are talking about? What are you guys talking about up there in the in your attic? Like, just come, just come, just come along. <laughs> <Just> step in. <laughs> yeah, and tell us what you disagree with because I'm yeah I can learn from that or like I I I feel like if we just let go of what doesn't resonate that's usually the best move but if anyone wants to educate me please do yeah feedback is always great and there it's it's such a like a massive discussion to talk about there's always blind spots or things that we missed I'm sure Mm -hmm. that people can bring to the conversation so or want to learn more about we're here okay well is there I want to give you this this moment to like plug anything that you've got going on in your coach meditation yoga space. Okay. Wonderful. Um, (laughs) yeah. If anyone is interested in being a part of my moon circles, it's I'm teaching live virtual meditations on zoom twice a month. Uh, they usually coincide with the full moon and the new moon. I, if they're on the weekend, I'll do it on a weekday just because I like to work on the weekdays. Um, and I feel like it works best for most people, but I base some of it on some of the research that I do. And then I base a lot of it on like just how I am being in the world and what's coming up for me and create a visual meditation and some reflection questions for you all to walk away with and hopefully create some transformation or self-awareness in your lives. So those um, I post and share on my Instagram, which is at Carrie and and um, would love to have you there. As far as coaching right now, I have two spots that I'm trying to fill for one-on-one, um, six month agreement, a session a week, 60 minutes. And that's always my favorite choice, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm also just putting out in the universe that I really want to work with a brand or a team or a business to come in and contract coaching work. So that could include both of these things, coaching and meditation, mindfulness, uh, working with leaders and then bringing the team together to find fulfillment, confidence, both like exactly what we talked about today as individuals Mm -hmm. and then as a collective. So I think integrating that is something I'm calling in. If anyone knows a company or has a boss that would be interested in transformational work in the workplace, that's my third opportunity. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Hit her up, everyone. (laughs) She's magic. Thank you. Thank you again for coming on the podcast, Carrie. You're a gem and a half. Um, And I can't wait to talk to you some more. And hopefully people listen to this and are inspired to reach out to you and have their lives changed. Oh, thank you so much. You're the best. Gem and a half. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, this was the episode. I hope you enjoyed Please uh, go to wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe, rate, review, share it with your friends, and I will see you on the next podcast. Bye.